0: What's up, guys? This is Jacques, and welcome back to Pop Politically Incorrect, the politically incorrect pop culture podcast. I have Izzy from Below Deck on today, and she's going to talk all about the show and coming out of the closet, which you may not have seen, but yes, she is an out and proud lesbian now, which explains why she didn't bang that hottie James on the boat, because I know I would have been all over that day one. But before we talk about that, let's just talk about me for a bit. This is a milestone episode because not only is it my 10th episode, it's also my last one of 2020. I was so against taking a break from this pod because I'm just paranoid about like losing momentum and I just feel like, you know what, let's just go balls to the wall with this. No breaks, no stopping, but you know what, I'll be back the first week of January with a very iconic and very messy interview with a big Bravo personality, so we're only missing one episode over Christmas, so you probably won't even notice that I'm gone. I am working on a bunch of stuff to blow this pod the fuck up in 2021, so I am very excited for next year. I refuse to be a flop podcast, it's just not happening. I am manifesting greatness like when Kelly Dodd was praying to get positive beverage into Target at that Buddhist retreat on The Real Housewives of OC, that's what I'm doing right now. Positive beverage vibes. Now, thank you to everyone who has streamed and subscribed and rated and reviewed and brought me coffee. You've all helped the show out so much. Seriously, I could not do it without all of you. So, trust me, I appreciate it. I read everything. I know I tell you this every single week. I read everything so carefully that the other day I was actually (laughs) rereading my reviews and one of them was missing. I was like, hang on, where is that review? And then I started getting paranoid and I'm like wait, did they actually log back in and delete their review? Did I do something that upset them? Do they not like me anymore? And then you know what, like a day later the review came back, so it must have just been like a glitch or something, but that shows you how invested I am, okay? I'm a psycho. If you're in the Christmas spirit, please leave me a five-star review and rating. It helps me book guests. I was actually yapping at a PR person the other day over email about someone that I wanted to interview. I was like, why are they booked on so-and-so's podcast? Their audio's shit. My interviews are better. My audio's better. I'm a journalist. So, that just shows you what I'm like. (laughs) I'm not even successful yet, and I'm already turning into Luann with her cabaret show. So, can you imagine what my ego's going to be like if I get popular? I am going to be more delusional than NeNe, but look, I'm here for it. I mean, I usually have no confidence and no self-esteem, so I'm allowed to be egotistical about one thing in my life, I think. But jokes aside, look, I have had a great 2020 outside of the fact that the pandemic fucked up my fitness routine and I kind of got fat from ordering Lotus Cake on Uber Eats every day. No joke, I was literally DMing Sir Braxton the chocolate bar in Sydney. I would DM them on Instagram multiple times a week to see if they had the Lotus Cake available. And then one day I accidentally slid into my friend's DMs and he's like this hardcore fitness fanatic. He has a great body. He's just so fitness focused. He's always eating healthy and every day you go on Instagram and he's like in the gym And he responded, he was like, um, you shouldn't even be having this cake once a week, let alone multiple times a week, and it shamed me into stopping it, and then, what do you know, I started losing weight a few weeks later after cutting out lotus cake from my diet, so I guess he was right. I also neglected my skincare routine, and no, I'm not about to launch into a sponsored skincare ad, I just want to tell you about how shitty my face is, so I can warn you all not to make the same mistakes that I did. I basically downgraded my skin routine to a heterosexual male's routine, meaning that I didn't use anything except a cheap supermarket cleanser and whatever moisturiser I had sitting around. I guess I just kind of went through a phase where I was sick of wasting money on skincare and being sucked into all the fancy packaging and gimmicky serums. I was just like, you know what? This is getting ridiculous and I'm not, I'm not going to be a slave to the marketing. I don't need this. I'm sure all you need is like a cleanser and moisturizer and you're good to go. But that's not true. Okay. I can confirm that good skincare is important because my face just broke out. All year, like constant breakouts, adult acne. I can't believe it took me into my 30s to even realize that I have adult acne. And I was just coming up with every excuse in the book to pretend like my bad skin was being caused by something else. I was like, mm, I think I'm drinking too much coffee. It's like, no, you're just being lazy and you need to wash your face. So, like, about a week ago, I splashed out, well, the stuff was on sale. So I think I got it for about 150. I got like a, a moisturizer, a BHA some pep, I don't know, just a bunch of shit. Like I've got a whole routine now, um, some acne treatment, and it's only been a week and I can already see like a huge difference in my skin. So that's a warning to all of you. Don't neglect your skin. This one's kind of random, but you know what I want to talk about? Belle Delphine's porn career. So if you're big into YouTube, you'll already know who she is, but let me just explain for those who don't. Belle Delphine is this really cute girl who is huge on the internet, and she dresses kind of like a hot Twitch streamer mixed with a Japanese anime aesthetic. So she has, like, pink hair and colourful wigs, big eyes, like those cute cat ear headbands and pleated skirts. Her entire look is really geared to that sort of nerdy gamer guys. although she is objectively just very, very pretty, so most guys would find her attractive regardless. She blew up a few years ago by posting these weird viral videos on YouTube. Basically, what she would do is, like, she would dress up in these kind of, like, slutty but cute outfits, then she would do something really weird, like, in one video she's playing with a dead octopus. At one point she also went viral for selling her bathwater for $30. Like, she's actually a marketing genius, and at one point she had a Patreon that the tiers went up to like two and a half thousand dollars for the highest tier, and she had thousands of subs on it. She became huge doing all of this. I think at her peak, she had close to like 5 million Instagram followers and then she had like you know, huge YouTube account the whole bit. Then she got banned from Instagram, like I think last year, and she kind of just disappeared off the internet after that because she since said that she thought her career was over because her main following ended up being on Instagram. So, she disappeared, and then, like most people, she returned to the spotlight with an OnlyFans account. Uh, She said that she was doing this just for the money, basically, because she wasn't getting money off Instagram anymore after being banned, and I don't know what she was doing with her YouTube. Like, even though her YouTube videos would go viral, I don't think they were the sort of videos that you could really put that much sponsored content into. So, she moved over to OnlyFans, and as far as I know, she wasn't actually doing, like, porn on there. It was just kind of- very suggestive photos, which is actually what a lot of celebrities do on OnlyFans and why you should never subscribe to a celebrity OnlyFans account. That is, unless it's Tiger, because I know he like shows it all, but anyway. So, I was on Twitter the other day and I see Belle Delphine trending, and I mean, I don't follow her really, so I hadn't really heard about her for a while, and as soon as I saw her name trending, I'm like, okay, she's either dead or she's been cancelled for a racist tweet. I clicked her name, and it turns out she was giving head to a pickle. Well, I should clarify, okay, she's giving her boyfriend head, but she put this, like, Rick and Morty pickle emoji over the D, so then it looked like she was licking a pickle in the video. It turns out that it is a teaser for her upcoming porn debut, because she is dropping her first, like, hardcore sex porno video on OnlyFans on Christmas Day. I was like, okay, so I started kind of Googling her, because I guess I was just curious, and she's been on a media tour that I missed. On some of the biggest YouTube podcasts, like H3H3 and Jackmates Happy Hour, those shows are huge. I don't know if you guys would listen to them, but... She's been all over them talking about her like new porn venture. And she actually never used to do interviews before. So she was also, she was always very mysterious. So we're actually seeing her personality for the first time now. Now I am just dying to know what kind of money she's making on OnlyFans, and I'm sort of fascinated by the whole thing. I imagine that she already had a ton of OnlyFans subs before even like moving into this porno thing that she's gonna do. So I'm like, how much money is she gonna get now compared to what she was getting, which I assume would have already been a lot compared to now doing, like, full-on porn and going around the place and, like, promoting it. She's charging $35 a month, which is pretty high for OnlyFans. Like, usually um, OnlyFans subs are more, like, around the $10 mark, or so my friends tell me. So, I'm wondering, like, is she going to hit, like, a million dollars with this with this OnlyFans porno, this Christmas Day porn? Is she going to be, like, a millionaire from this? Like, her marketing is pretty incredible. Like, the fact that she's releasing it on Christmas and even, like, the blowjob tweet with the pickle emoji, that promoted it so well because everyone started making memes out of the pickle and, like, putting other things on the pickle and stuff. So, it was kind of funny. I, uh, I've been listening to some of her podcasts, and she is very open about doing it for the money, and she's surprisingly self-aware and smart and likable. I kind of feel like, regardless of how many people even sign up to watch her OnlyFans porno, the fact that- The fact that she's doing it is making headlines, and it's making people like me, who don't usually talk about her, talk about her, and then it's going to lead more people to kind of be curious about her, and then when they look her, you know, non-porn stuff up, like they look up her interviews or something on YouTube, they're probably going to just like her personality and follow her then, so I don't know. I am curious to see how this whole thing is going to play out, how much money she's making, how famous she's going to be. Is she going to be like our new Kim Kardashian? Is this her, um... What was Kim's porno called? Kim K Superstar with Ray J. <laughs> you know, I actually know somebody that is a big OnlyFans creator. Her name is, well she's known as the world's hottest grandma. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I did a story on her um in my day job and we became friends and I know that I've known her from before she was on OnlyFans to now and I definitely know that she has a lot more money but again, I don't see her in person. We're more, like, internet friends and stuff, and we talk, so I don't know how much is for show and how much is for real, but, I mean, she seems to be doing well. I know that she moved into, like, a bigger house. She's on, like, jet skis. I saw her with a really nice car, but, again, like, you just never know with people on the internet. Sometimes they'll rent cars to make themselves look wealthier than they are, so I don't know, but I imagine there's a lot of money in it. So, I'm going to talk Real Housewives in just a second, but I just want to rant about something first that I literally just saw while I was scrolling through Twitter while recording this episode. So, a bunch of these tweets have gone viral of these gay guys tweeting um, exchanges on Grinder. So, you, I'm sure you know what Grindr is. It's like Tinder, but uh, for gay men, and it's a hookup app. Like You don't go on Grinder looking for the man of your dreams. You're not getting married on Grinder. You're trying to find a big old D. So, a bunch of guys are screenshotting exchanges that they're having basically with, like, body-shaming gays. So, like, one guy gets a response that says, not into fatties, and then he responds, I'm not fat, question mark, and he shares a photo of his body in, like, a jock strap and he has a really good body. And the guy replies back, to me you are, and then shares a picture of himself, which he has an even better body. And then there's another one where this guy goes sorry, man, but yes, we will not be into it. And the person writes back, okay, cool. Thanks. Can I ask why? Question mark. And then the guy responds a bit too much thick. Don't take it negatively, just honest. So basically he's saying, yeah, you're too fat. I don't want to fuck you. Like, first of all, I would never say this to anybody, even if I thought it. Like, if someone messaged me, I mean, I'm not on Grindr or anything. I can't remember the last time I used Grindr, like, <laughs> a century ago. But um, if I've ever been on one of these apps and somebody unattractive messages me, I've never gone, yeah, you're not my type. Like, I just ignore them or block them or just say, oh, no thanks or, what I mean, whatever. I would never say anything about their appearance. That's horrible. I mean, of course we all think that about- when someone approaches you and tries to pick you up, it doesn't have to be on an app, it can be anywhere. If you think they're unattractive, because obviously we have, we're have we attracted to what we're attracted to, you don't say it to their face. But what I don't get is these gay guys, like, complaining about it. Like, especially this guy that, that goes, okay, cool, thanks, can I ask why, and then got offended when someone said you're too thick. You're on Grindr. It's a hookup app. You're literally, you are on Grinder not for a relationship. You're there to meet a stranger an anonymous person that you've never met before you say hello you share pictures with each other you go to their place or wherever it is you get fucked and then you come home and you never speak to them again i've had people on these apps message before which i think is so gross they don't even say hello they try to organize like can i blow you or whatever without even saying hello So, it's like, you could just say yes, and then you could just go to whatever the location is. Like, it's so gross. So, I don't get coming on here and then complaining and being offended that someone's saying that, you know, you're too fat to fuck when the whole thing, it's just a sex app. It's not like you went on a date with somebody with the intention of a relationship and, like, getting to know them as a person, and they told you just straight up, like, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too this, you're too that, which is a whole different ballpark. I think when you're on, like- a sex app, it's all based on physicality, isn't it? So, especially if you're asking someone to give you a reason why they don't want to be with you, you don't then get to be so upset that you go on Twitter and share screenshots of it like someone did you wrong. So, I don't know. That just, it, that just annoyed me. I don't know what people's expectations are using an app like this. I mean, do you think that everybody on the app is going to want to have sex with you just because you're so amazing? No. People have the types of people they're into, and you know what? Like, well, I'll get in trouble for slut shaming if I say this. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. These apps are not for me. <laughs> I was going to tweet something about this. At least I could articulate myself a little more about where I'm coming from here on the pod. I felt like if I fired off a hot take tweet to this, people would be attacking me and they'll probably say that I'm one of these body shaming gays, which I'm not. I would never do that to anybody. You know, obviously that's not my point, but. You know what Twitter's like. The longer I have this podcast, the more I'm just trying to bite my tongue on Twitter, because I'm like, these people are just not going to understand what I'm trying to say, (laughs) so I'll save it for the podcast. So, let's talk a little Housewives. Now, I don't want to come on here and bash Jen Shah and Bronwen every single episode, because, look, it's probably getting a little repetitive by now. I think I've done it about the last five episodes, But I will just say that I have been vindicated on Jen Shah and Salt Lake City. I feel like I was one of the very first people to call out Salt Lake City for just not being as good as Bravo and Twitter hyped it up to be, and I also went against Jen Shah pretty early for just being way too thirsty and contrived on camera, and I was proven right this week, so yay me. So what happened right is that Jen went on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen the other day, and when I tell you that it was the most try-hard thing you've ever seen in your life... It was the most try-hard thing you've ever seen in your life. Seriously, I'm not exaggerating. She had this bedazzled toy microphone, and when Andy asked her a question, she picked it up and started screaming into it, Am I lying? Am I lying? And, like, swiveling and rolling her neck around like she was NeNe Leakes. So cringe. The Am I Lying thing is actually something that Nicki Minaj did. If you're on Twitter and stuff a lot, you would have seen this clip. Uh, It's Nicki Minaj screaming into her microphone. It became a meme, and everything that Jen does in front of the camera is designed to become a meme with the gaze on Twitter. So that's obviously what inspired her little performance on Watch What Happens Live. Now, Andy was recoiling and cringing as she did it, and you could just see in his eyes that, like, it finally clicked that they made a mistake in hiring Gensha. He was like, oh god, like, this has just gone too far now. And let me just add that the last episode of Salt Lake City that aired, um, which aired the same day as the Watch What Happens Live appearance – Jen was roller skating around her office in a tiara and doing a hula hoop at the same time. Like this chick is literally doing anything she can think of to try and go viral and just like throwing it all together so I tweeted about this, uh, watch what happens live debacle on my podcast Twitter and, uh, put it on Instagram as well, Popping Pod, and it went viral on Twitter. It got like a thousand likes and literally 99% of the responses agreed that she was too thirsty and has to go. Now, this is a huge turnaround compared to the beginning of the season. When everybody on Twitter was just, like, a Jen Shah stan account, like, they couldn't wait. They were like, Shah squad, and now I'm just seeing, like, waves of negativity, like, oh my god, get rid of her. Anyway, this is leading to a larger point, I promise. I'm not just here to brag about being right. So, after watching Salt Lake, I watched the new episode of the OC Housewives, which you all know I'm a huge defender of this season. I come on here, like, every week and talk about how great it is. Now, Roman and Kelly got into an argument about the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and that whole issue about pulling down historical statues that may or may not be problematic. Gina got involved too. She kind of talked about the George Floyd thing where she compared it to her own arrest and then Elizabeth chimed in with some stuff about white privilege. Now, regardless of whose side you're on with this, it was such an authentic, real argument and it was so refreshing. Like, these are the fights and discussions that we're all having in our day-to-day life. I guarantee that all of you listening, unless you have absolutely zero interest in politics- You've probably been in some kind of political argument with either family members or like on Facebook, we've all been there. This fight to me was like the future of the franchise, like yes, let's have real fights about real stuff that we really disagree with, with women with different points of view, like Kelly Dodd is like the Fox News type of viewpoint, Bronwyn is more like the cnn hers was very surface level like she couldn't really even articulate her argument she was just like well if the statues are offensive pull them down whereas gina actually came in and gina well, even if you, i mean i agreed with gina but even if you don't agree with gina you can you can acknowledge that she articulated her point well and she knew what she was talking about as opposed to Broman, who was just sort of rattling off like headlines of that's offensive after watching this, I realised that the latest season of OC is basically a throwback to the early days of the show when we just followed these women's real lives. It wasn't about overproduced catfights and wine tossing and crap like that. This season has had some of the most authentic storylines we've seen in years, from race and class issues, to Brolman's alcoholism, to domestic abuse, to dealing with COVID and blended families, the whole thing. Now, You go over to Salt Lake City and you've got Jen Shah in lingerie and rollerblades pretending that she's offended over smelling like a hospital and then she's dragging it out for 10 episodes and retweeting gifs and hashtags about herself. The reason that people don't like OC, it has nothing to do with the show being problematic or offensive or whatever people are trying to say about it. It's because it's old school and there is a huge divide in the Real Housewives viewership and fandom right now. On one hand, you have the vintage viewers like me. Now look, I'm hardly old, but I'm not a teenager either, and I don't mind some contrived drama here and there and stirring the pot for the show. I get it, it's a TV show, you are making a show. But I'm also happy watching non-combative storylines if they're compelling and authentic and have substance. Like, on Salt Lake City right now, the most interesting stuff to watch is probably things going on with Heather and Whitney with her dad's addiction. It's all the real, real stuff. It's not fucking whatever Jen Shah is doing. So, you have that, that camp, the vintage people like me. And then you've got these new fans that are either brand new viewers to the Housewives and Bravo, and they are not familiar with the history of Housewives, or- these are very young viewers that are in their you know, early 20s, maybe even teenagers still, and they just want to watch a bunch of middle-aged women brawling like it's the UFC. They don't care if it's real or not, they just want old ladies pushing people in the pool and snatching wigs and busting out gifable one-liners that they can share on Twitter. I remember being a little kid and catching some of the daytime soaps that my mum would watch, like Passions or Days of Our Lives. You know, I remember loving these over-the-top storylines like Marlena being possessed by the devil and all that crazy kind of stuff. And that's sort of what the younger viewers now want in their housewives. It makes me think a lot about where the franchise is going to go over the next decade. I mean, it's 2020 now. We're almost in 2021. For me personally, I feel like if they continue down this Jen Shah path, then Housewives is ruined. It's going to turn into like Bad Girls Club Senior Citizens Edition or one of those scripted British docu-soaps like Made in Chelsea and TOWIE that are just, you know, like 80% fake. But you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Bravo execs are purposely moving in this direction because they want younger viewers who want to see that Jen Shah type of show. Like, I could be out of touch because, you know- I have very specific tastes, I'm very specific in the things that I like and I enjoy watching, and maybe I'm in the minority, I don't know. I mean, if you've looked at the mainstream media coverage of Salt Lake City, it's glowing. I mean, you would think that they're reviewing The Godfather Part 2 or something. So, what do you guys think? Can you please let me know on Instagram or Twitter? I want to get your takes on this, Um, because yeah, I just want to see where our head is at and... Also, if you're like one of the Salt Lake City Gen Shah stands, please tell me your age, because I feel like you're probably like 21 or something. So I was originally planning to do a bit of a wrap up of my favourite reality shows of 2020, given that this is my last episode of the year and we're almost in 2021, but I think we should just get to my interview. So I'm just going to do a real quick go over of my fave shows. So look, Tiger King, you've all watched that, so I don't really need to talk about it. Lovers Blind, probably a lot of you saw this too because it's also on Netflix. It is one of the best dating shows I've ever seen and the fact that three couples are still together from it and it's been, it's either been one year or two years. I think it's been two years actually because they had filmed the show a year prior to it even airing and now it's almost been a year since it aired. So, Lovers Blind, the premise of this show is is they get single people, they put them in these pods so they can't see each other and they have to form a connection based on their personality, which is brilliant. Then they get engaged without ever seeing each other. Once they're engaged, they go into the real world, they start planning a wedding, and then it's like, are they going to get married or are they going to go their separate ways? It just had everything. Like It had genuine, real romance, it had drama, it had a really Weird, off the wall concept. I just absolutely loved it. I cannot wait for it to come back. I'm definitely going to be covering it on the podcast when it comes back. Obsessed on the more serious side. Um, Love Fraud. Now that is on. It might be on Showtime in America. In Australia, it is on the streaming service Stan. You have got to watch Love Fraud. It is fucking amazing. So it's a documentary series about this. Sociopath guy. He's like a dirty John type, and he preys on lonely middle aged women that he finds on the internet. He wins them over by just showering them in love, and then he like milks them dry of all their money. And look, we've heard that story a lot before the guy that comes and preys on the woman scams her out of all of her cash. But what makes this really interesting is all these women that he scammed, and there are, like, so many, like, dozens and dozens of them, they formed, like, an online group and they started meeting each other. And then when they all found each other, they got together, they hired a female private detective. Wait, she's a private detective or she's a bounty hunter. She's one of them. She looks like she's out of a movie. She's this, like, chain-smoking tough old battle axe, and she starts trying to track him down. So when you're watching the show, you're watching all of these women that have been scammed by this guy working with this like badass bounty hunter. It's so good. It's just fucking amazing. So you've got to watch that. It's like four parts. It was gripping. It's so well filmed. It's so juicy. It has so many twists and turns. This guy is an absolute sociopath. I know that All of us people that we like to watch reality TV. We always diagnose people that we're watching on TV as sociopaths. This guy literally is. I mean, there's a scene. Actually, I don't want to give it away, but there is a scene where you see him interviewed and crazy town. Um, The last show that I loved, you know, I've probably been mentioned this a few times, Temptation Island. Oh, my God. I cannot express how amazing this show is. If you want to watch it um, and you're not in America... Go to The Reality Archive. Let me just double-check that on Google. Yes, therealityarchive.com. It's basically a website where they upload all of these reality shows. You make an account. Yeah, you've you've got to watch Temptation Island. So, you probably all know the premise to this. It's couples that are at a crossroads in their relationship, so... They're either, you know, umming and ahring on getting married or they're having trust issues or something. So they go to an island filled with sexy singles. They get separated and the singles have to tempt them. And there's a lot more substance to the show than that. It sounds like it's a total trash fest. Like when you say the premise, you think it's going to be, oh, is this like too hot to handle or Bachelor in Paradise? There's a lot more to it because the couples kind of go through these like self-examination Improvement journeys. They get very introspective and they start reevaluating like their whole lives. It's not just people hooking up. So it's hard for me to explain, but it's actually a very psychological show. There's a lot more to it. And it's also, it is really trashy as well. Like you had people, season two, someone cheats on their partner the first night and fucks someone else on camera. It is shocking to watch. There is so much more emotional weight to this show because it's not just, it's not like Love Island where. These are just new people that have just met for the first time and they're going in different relationships. These are people that have history together. They have relationships on the outside for years and they're throwing them away to be on this TV show and cheating on their partner. And then, to make it even worse, of course, in true reality show fashion, they play the footage back for the person that got cheated on. So, they have to watch their significant other having sex with somebody else. It's shocking. It's amazing. Um... There's been two seasons of it so far. Season three is coming back next year. Season one is a little slower. It's like more, it, it builds up. but It's excellent, but it's more of a slow build. Season two is like balls to the wall, like they're cheating from episode one and it's just off the rails. So those are my favorite shows. Tiger King, Love Fraud, Lovers Blind, and Temptation Island. And of course, some of the housewives like, you know, Housewives of Potomac, uh, Housewives of OC. So yeah, all right. Now we've done that, let's get into Izzy. Thanks, guys. So this week I've got a really special guest. She's an Aussie just like me, and she's the star of my current fave Bravo show. It is Izzy from Below Deck.
1: Hello! Thank you for having me
0: thanks for being here um right, i just wanted I, I want to cut straight to it i want to talk about the big news because you just came out as a lesbian i would say the welcome coming to the-
1: out thank <laughs> you <laughs>
0: I would say welcome to the club, but I assume you've been in the club for a while now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, apparently, I'm meant to be receiving all these toaster ovens, and I'm like, I'm in New Zealand right now, and I'm, you know, I'm flying back home next year. I'm like, I don't have room in my luggage for these, and why am I even receiving a toaster oven? I don't understand. There's so many things I don't understand.
0: well I was um I was shocked because I think that everybody watching has been wanting you to hook up with James I
1: I know
0: I interviewed you right before the season started actually and I'm like Mm -hmm. oh does anything happen with you and James so I want to know like were you out during filming um or did everyone assume that you were straight when did James find out like I need to know all of this
1: (laughs) (laughs) so I identified as like bi during filming um, it wasn't something I really like cared to tell people um like when I first got there because I didn't really think it mattered. But then there were like me and James and Eddie would like joke around and they'd always be like, oh when you get a husband, and I was like, well actually like I might want a wife. Um so I had that conversation with them. But I think like everyone thinks James is flirting with me. For me, I didn't see it. Because I always have that relationship with guys I work with they are kind of like my work husband. I'm like the work wife. We banter, but it's like purely platonic um so I didn't even really see it that way but now that I'm seeing it back on screen I'm like I don't know like was he flirting I think he's just generally quite a flirtatious person it was interesting and then he was very supportive um like when I told him I was bi and then you know after we were filming and then when I kind of realized that I was a raging lesbian um and I told him he was like congrats and he was like so proud of me for coming out and super supportive and like so was Eddie and all of that so yeah it's been so is this
0: is this kind of like a recent thing? So you did you did identify as bisexual and now you're like, I'm a lesbian? Because I know that with a lot of gay men that sometimes when you're first figuring it out, like I remember thinking, you know, in high school, I'm like, I must be bisexual. And then I'm like, no, I'm just uh-huh. gay. Is that kind of what happened Yeah, that's you? literally
1: what happened. And I think for me, because like, I mean, I've always been so lucky where like my family has always been so supportive and my mom literally said when we were growing up she's like oh, I really want one of you to be gay so that I can go on the proud parents float like they were always so supportive so I knew that would never be an issue but like for me I always just assumed that my life would be one way and so then like realizing kind of that it was going another way I was like oh I, I just must be bi or something like that and then after filming you know we went straight into lockdown and I had all this time to think and then I was just like You know, I was kind of like having a little bit of an existential crisis, as I'm sure everyone else was. And I was like thinking over all these things and like these signals. And I was like, oh, you know, I've always preferred kissing girls, like getting with girls over boys. But like that just means just, I don't know. I didn't like know what that meant. Like, you know, TMI, hate being penetrated. And there's all this shit. (laughs) And then I literally, and then I was like, and I'd always had, had like crushes on girls. But I was like, oh, I must just like really like them as a friend. And then I was like, no, I don't think that, you know, this is a friendship thing. And then once I'd kind of, like, realised that and come to terms with that, then I it just felt so right. I was like, holy shit. And then I was like... I've never really ever been interested in having a hoe face, but then I was kind of sad because we were in lockdown and I was like, I can't go and explore this now. You know, like I can chat to people online, but how am I meant to go and like, you know, actually explore this? So
0: A a lesbian hoe face.
1: Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Like a pussy face.
0: (laughs) Um, Can you just move your mic? I think that it's like rubbing a little bit on the collar.
1: Oh, Jesus. Hopefully that's better.
0: Yeah, around that. Yeah, that'll be better, I think. That'll do. So, away. I was wondering, are there um, a lot of lesbians in yachting or am I just stereotyping because no. of you and Captain Sandy?
1: I think you're just stereotyping. <laughs> like, the thing with yachting is actually not a very diverse industry. But, y- like, yes, you have a lot of different cultures, like Western cultures, but it's generally very heterosexual. I mean, from my experience anyway, very heterosexual and very white. So, it's not a very diverse industry. So, it's like even. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are accepting, but it's not like the easiest industry to like, you know, find out those things about yourself because you are surrounded, you know, by this kind of, yeah, it's a, it's just a very weird industry. And I think as well, because, you know, like you are on like the 1% of the world and everything's got to be a certain way. You don't actually have time to even think about yourself a lot of the time when you're yachting and like figure out your life. So I think that's why so many people have like a crisis after they leave yachting or like after they take a break because, you know, I had like a little bit of a break last year because we couldn't leave Australia. Um, That like, you know, you don't really have time to figure out these things about yourself. I'm glad I finally did. Yeah, yeah,
0: that is really interesting for you to just – to describe it like that as in you don't really get a chance and then with the lockdown and everything you we actually had got time, time to like to come think. to this huge <laughs> yeah. revelation I was like
1: I found you know I found time to realize I need a bloody therapist to get over past promise <laughs> um but also that I was gay um but yeah like and then I guess with like the whole coming out to the public thing as well like I'd already come out to my friends and family so it wasn't really on my radar but then I was like shit like suddenly all these people, like, I mean, they don't really care about my life, but like, you know, I'm known to them and I'm going to be doing maybe like things on, you know, watch what happens live and all of that with like, oh, would you rather with like two guys? And if I'm like, mm, not really interested in either of them, like, how do I deal with that? But I was kind of like a bit worried about the fallback. So I was like, well, will people think I'm doing it to be attention seeking or if I wait till after the show will they then think that I'm, you know, my 15 minutes of fame is over and I'm just doing it to try and get more attention? So I kind of had, like, my little post after I'd, like, after Courtney was, like, you basically just came out and I was, like, shit. So I kind of had that post ready to go and then I was, like, fuck, I might as well just do it now. Um, And I was not expecting the positive reaction that I got. It was wild, like, so wild.
0: I saw that. I know what you mean about the attention thing, too. Like, I notice I'm more like, oh, God, ev- now everyone wants to be a part of the, <laughs> part of the LGBT-, LGBT now so I can understand that, like, self-consciousness of, yeah. Like, I don't want to, you know, look like that, but I want to, you know, speak my truth because exactly. obviously it's yeah. very authentic. And then
1: you don't <laughs> want to think that, like, people who do identify as, like, you know, anywhere on the LGBT spectrum are doing it for attention. So, yeah, that was kind of a, like a conflicting thing. But I was like, fuck, so supportive. And I have like thousands of thirsty lesbians in my inbox. <laughs> it's, like, it's, so, it's so wild, but it's so nice. Like it was so nice to get the support. So yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you must be excited for lockdown to oh, kind shit, of I'm so to excited. end and just well, yeah, <laughs> get I mean, out now
1: there. Sydney is kind of like shit a brick really at the moment. Um, I am it's I mean, coming back. Yeah, like I'm not going back to February, so I'm hoping that you know, things have calmed down by then. But yeah,
0: fuck. Yeah. a well, oh, wow. this is, <laughs> this is like my first time really getting into Below Deck. I actually committed to it because I did interview you at the start and you were like, you've got to watch it. And I'm like, yes, I'll watch it for you. I am obsessed <laughs> with it now. Like, so I love
1: it. So good.
0: You're really good at staying out of the drama. You kind of just watch it from afar and have some, like, comic Mm -hmm. relief. Was that hard? Because I feel like if I'm on a Bravo show and I see the cameras there, I know it's going to be on Bravo. Like, my inner Lisa Rin is going to come out. I'm like, I'm going to be going around calling people out. Were Mm -hmm. you? Did you make a conscious effort to just to, I guess, really be yourself, like, to not get into the drama and just do you?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, being the youngest child of my family, I've always been one maybe to, like, stir the pot and then walk away. Or, like, you know, I'm quite, like, a nosy person, so I like to know what's going on. But, like, being involved in drama just makes me feel sick and anxious, so I don't like it. So, yeah, I think, like... I didn't go on being like, oh, I want to be involved in drama, or I don't want to be involved in drama. Um, but like I've worked on votes for long enough to know that like being super involved makes your time so uncomfortable. And I like I didn't want that. I just wanted to have like a really nice season and like, you know, get along with people. Obviously, like, I'm still involved in it to some aspect, you know, because I'm friends with Elizabeth and Elizabeth and Francesca hate each other. So in like in some regards I still involved with it, am involved with it in that, but like I'm not an inherently dramatic person and I don't really like to be involved with it and to, like, you know, make other people feel like shit and make myself feel like shit. So, yeah, I was, um, yeah, I was very glad (laughs) that I wasn't really
0: Well, so what's your take on the Francesca and Elizabeth stuff? I mean, how do you feel? I guess it's a two part question. How do you feel Francesca's handling like stepping into Kate's shoes and also um do you think she's been fair on Elizabeth? I mean, I do, but it's very divided online because I see some people like Team Elizabeth, some people are Team Francesca. I'm kinda like Team Francesca, but where you were there, so what's your take?
1: So, I mean, I obviously, the thing with Francesca is she takes so much pride in what she does and she wants to do so well. And I think she puts quite a lot of – and I identify with her in some ways because I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. So, like, you know, you've seen in the other episode, I thought I was going to get fired and I cried. Um, And I think, like, Francesca is like that. I think with Elizabeth, I think she she – was very, very picky with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was not perfect by any means, but she did have like good points and good attributes. Um, And I think with Francesca, she was probably maybe just constantly picking at the bad things, which is kind of not, I guess it's not very good to, you know, inspire or increase morale when someone is constantly being beaten down. And that's kind of like what I noticed on the boat. And so that's why I was kind of, I wouldn't say Team Francesca or Team Elizabeth. I mean, I didn't particularly get on well with Francesca, but like I did notice that Elizabeth was constantly being chewed at, and that's not going to make anyone feel good, and it's not going to inspire anyone to do their best work. But I guess in you know, in Francesca's defense, Elizabeth can sometimes be a bit like you know here and there, and like a bit ditzy. It does take a little bit to keep her on track. I guess maybe that's like that artistic mind thing, you know, like like things going everywhere. Um, But yeah, I do think that Francesca probably did you know bite at her a lot and i don't know if she like i think a lot of it for me with francesca was the tone that she said a lot of things in i'm not sure if she meant it to come off that way but sometimes it came off kind of like snide and condescending i know rachel noticed it i noticed it um first charter so that you know that was a bit of a reason of why i was obviously so desperate to go outside um but yeah also
0: wait so you so you were like i can't you were like i can't work under francesca like get me
1: I noticed it. Like I am, I'm very self-aware and I know personalities that I'll get on with and I know personalities that I won't. So if I had to stay in interior, you know, I would have sucked it up and I would have just like done my best to not like piss her off. Um, But then I think about, you know, like if it was me and Elizabeth working in the interior, would I have been like, you know, because I'm Australian maybe, would I have been like the lesser of two evils? Like we don't really know. Um, That that would have been very interesting to see. Um, But, yeah, I, I could tell pretty straight away that it was a personality that I was not gonna work well with. If I had to work with her, I would. But I think moving like Eddie is a much better kind of like personality. Um for me. Yeah. So it's something I noticed.
0: Yeah, that's really what I've noticed like watching the show that makes it so good and so relatable is it's really like a relatable workplace drama and we've all had that like passive aggressive boss or passive aggressive mm-hmm. coworker or issue so it's kind of like just little things of someone getting reprimanded you connect with it so much because you're like oh i've been we've there all you've been worked there, in an office or something
1: that, yeah and we've always <laughs> had a boss that like constantly picked at us and then i guess i think as well for elizabeth it, it kind of been nice You know, I guess it's in the team meetings like Ash was always getting praised and then Elizabeth was always getting beaten down. I think I just don't know. I mean, I I wasn't the man, you know, I'm not the Chiefs I wasn't there, but I just I just watching it back. I just think it wasn't a great way to inspire kind of Elizabeth to do her best. I think she was kind of a little bit broken by the end of the season on the boat.
0: So what was going through your mind, like, the first day when you rocked up? Because you would have seen, obviously, Kate's not there. And then Captain Lee was late as well. Did you ever think at at some point, like, we don't have a season? Like, this is not going to happen?
1: Yeah, it was was so weird. Because, like, you know, you're already kind of, like, super jet lagged when you start anyway, because you've just been in town for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, like I'd seen on Instagram that Kate had changed her bio and it didn't say Chief Stew anymore. So then I got really suspicious. And then I actually just kind of saw someone that had tagged themselves at the lockdown result we were staying in that looked like a Chief Stew. So I got really suspicious of that. And then I got onto the boat and I saw it was not Kate and I was like, whoa, that's wild. Um, and then Captain Lee wasn't there and he'd fallen. And then, yeah, exactly. I was like, shit, like, is this going to be... Like, is this gonna be bad? Like are we even gonna have a season? Are we gonna be able to leave the dock? And then obviously we had a like a provisioning like wild fuck up where they sent all the provisions for six weeks for the one charter. So we brought everything on board, took seven hours, and then took everything off the next day, like another five hours. So we lost a lot of time and then we had those insane guests.
0: Oh my um, god, that was in, that was so it full was, on. I was shocked watching it. It
1: was <laughs> traumatic. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that whole first charter, I think most, a lot of us were probably like in the middle midst of like anxiety episodes. Like I was having this huge dissociation crisis. Francesca was like obviously like quite anxious. And, you know, it is different because everyone in life screws up at work. They make mistakes. They they do things they're not particularly proud of and not their best work. But it's like it is kind of like. At the beginning when you're not used to the cameras being around, you're so aware of them. It's like, shit. I mean, kind of like after the first day I got used to them, but it's the, it's kind of like the first time when you realise that every mistake you make is going to be broadcast to the world and people are going to have opinions on it. So, yeah, that whole, that whole experience was um wild. But then it's kind of like to your detriment sometimes as well because you get so used to the cameras that if you make a mistake, you're like, oh, whatever, like I'm too busy to think about that. And then you look back on it and you're like, shit. So, (laughs) you're like, oh.
0: Yeah, I... I've, I've said this before on the show, but I, I haven't done reality TV, but I've done a, a thing for a network where we had, like, cameras and a producer and stuff, and you get so used to it really mm-hmm. quickly that it's people don't understand. Like, at first you're, like, shitting yourself, you feel like you're going to, like, die, and then after, like, a couple of days of doing it, it's, like, literally like it's not even there. If anything, if you almost feel more comfortable. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I always, when, when we left the boat and when I got home and there wasn't a camera on my roof staring at me 24-7 in my bedroom, Room, or like when there wasn't like someone following me around with a handheld all the time, it was kind of weird because it was, yeah. I don't know if it was like this weird like Stockholm Central or what it was, but like there was, it was just so comforting and like in a weird way knowing that someone was always watching and that like, I don't know. I explain
0: it like the cameras to me, which I felt like they create it's, um, it makes things feel like it's not real, even though it is. So it's a weird security huh. blanket where exactly. you feel like you're performing, but you're actually being yourself. But there's an element that makes you feel like you're not. It's hard to explain. It's but. <laughs> so
1: hard to explain unless you've lived it. But it is it is bizarre. And you do get so comfortable with them that you really just don't care. So, yeah, it makes it it's for some so- interesting things happen.
0: So I love Chef Rachel. I really relate to her yes. no fucks, negative energy. She's mm-hmm. like an icon. So. She is. <laughs> Last episode uh, that aired, we saw her have a meltdown and quit. So I just wonder, like, what's your take on that? And do you think it was justified? Like, I was Team Rachel, but, again, I checked social media. There were a lot of people that were really Divided mad about at it. her. So how did you Everyone feel? Everyone always
1: has an opinion. I mean, I think maybe Callen- telling Captain Lee to go fuck himself wasn't the best idea but I don't think she meant it in that way I don't think th- I don't think she was literally telling Captain Lane to go fuck himself I think she'd like you know she was obviously surrounded by this drama in the interior which she'd then been kind of like unwillingly dragged into and then she was kind of realizing how severe coronavirus was cuz her bo- cuz you know her boyfriend's Italian and obviously Italy was one of like the hardest hit places first um, so she was realizing that and I think she was just feeling a bit overwhelmed with the whole situation. And then just like, you know, we all have those kind of moments where we just snap. And obviously hers was on camera. But I think like, you know, she was justifiably feeling a bit like, oh, shit, like the world's ending, obviously, as we all have felt this year. So yeah, but it was funny. I love then- her so. I love her so much. We were in. I was in the bath the other day, and she called me, and we were just like chatting for hours. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just rubbing dead skin off myself." She's like, "Yeah, I'm just peeing right now." Like she's just <laughs> so chill and all that. Like, I love her so much.
0: Yeah, I kind of yeah, I agree with what you said about her with the stress. I was thinking she must have stress of coronavirus and all this other stuff, and then to have that. Um, I can't yeah, remember the what the name is, that sheet of the yeah. preference sheet, which was just like was exactly. worse than the first charter, which yeah. was the first charter was shocking. So then to <laughs> have that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to have that one, I'm like, I would have had that meltdown too. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you would have quit if you had had to stay working the interior with Francesca? Like, could you envision yourself having had a Rachel style snap?
1: <laughs> I don't know. You see, I think because like the first charter, it was just everything was so disjointed. Like, you know, you get onto the boat and it was just like a clusterfuck from the first moment. So like we're we're all just in that zone. I don't know if afterwards, like, you know, probably everything would have come down and we could have like actually had like a a meeting about everything and everyone got into their groove. So I don't know. Like I haven't had to think about it too much. I think like I would have tried my my absolute like best obviously you can see that like, that's what I do I probably wouldn't have been totally happy but you know there's a reason as to why I joined Interior which I think is coming up episode maybe nine or ten um I think that gets shown but yeah I don't know as I think I have kind of thought about it a bit just in terms of like working with me me and Elizabeth maybe I would have been the lesser of two evils so I don't know I'm I'm just glad that I haven't had to think about that too much to be honest with you <laughs>
0: <laughs> i want to um ask about some of your real life yachting experiences now i was watching watch what happens live and you started telling a story about witnessing a foot job i yeah. need to know this story from the like <laughs> where were you like can you lay out the scene because like i need the details on this
1: <laughs> so i was on um so like the super yacht i worked on it was a private boat and The owner of the boat had a wife and a child and also had a mistress. Um, And this is something that I've not, like I've seen before, like I've worked front desk of hotels and, you know, I see businessmen in the morning, you know, like chatting with their wives. And then all of a sudden, like Misty May comes asking for room (laughs) 610. This (laughs) is a new thing for me. But it's just kind of like weird when you're like literally like this is your owner, like this person owns you. So yeah, so we were um we we're doing service and then you know, he had his his wife and his kids or whatever on the on FaceTime and then from across I kind of just like looked, didn't mean to like look down, but I looked down and all of a sudden there's like this little foot there and this guy's getting like literally getting like a proper rub job um while he's FaceTime so it- his family.
0: Is it through the pants or is it like full dick out?
1: No, it was through the pants. Okay, no. thank God. No, he was like <laughs> he was respectable enough to like not just flip his dick out. But like that's not an unheard of thing. Like thing you no, know, in yachting, you know, you sign NDAs a lot of the time for a reason. Um and you see all sorts of shit. Um so yeah. And then but it's just it's weird afterwards when you get, you know, wife and kids on the next week and you've seen all this shit happen and you've seen them pretend to be lovey dovey and happy families and you're like, babe, you have no idea. Or maybe you do, but babe like dude's a billionaire, so you don't really care. You know? It's um I w- Oh it's wild.
0: I was wondering, is it is there ever like do you ever have like safety concerns? Obviously being a young woman, you're working on yachts, they're strangers, you're in another country. Like, yeah. what is that like?
1: I mean it's, I think, mean, like, because you sign an NDA as well, like, obviously, I, I've never worked on a boat where I felt, like, particularly unsafe or uncomfortable, but, you know, I do know there are there are boats where, you know, owners can be predatory or guests can be predatory. Um, you know, a lot of the boats, you can have, like, party boats where hookers are brought on and drugs are brought on and, like, you know, things happen. You know, people can be trafficked through. Like, things happen and you can't talk about. So, yeah, it can be quite, like disconcerting and, you know, uncomfortable when you are a young woman. I mean, you just have to trust that your crew and your captain have your best interests at heart, but sometimes they don't. And so sometimes you just have to recognise yourself that those situations are bad and try and remove yourself from them. But obviously not everyone can do that. And sometimes that doesn't happen. You know, there probably are hundreds of stories but people can't talk because of NDAs and things like that. And, you know, when you're dealing with the 1%, so... It is. That's the interesting thing about yachting because it's not a very heavily regulated industry. Um, so there is definitely things like that that happen. Um, I, Have luckily, you ever quit? Uh, I've I've quit from boats, yeah. But I haven't quit because I was assaulted. You know, I quit my last boat because I was experienced mis- like extreme misogyny, and like that's part of the reason, kind of why I signed up for interior going into below deck was because I was just I was broken, quite frankly, going onto that boat. After what I've experienced on my last boat. But yeah, I've never like on a boat, you know, been groped or anything like that. I did have one charter where I was on a charter catamaran. So it was just me and the captain. And he, there was this one guy that kept like commenting on my appearance, like, oh, like you look like fat and like you look tired and like your feet look really gross. And I was like, I've been working on a boat Uh the whole season, babe. Like my feet aren't going to look perfectly manicured um and he was that's
0: so disgusting yeah
1: and he was really really rude and so you do get people like that but the thing is like you know a lot of the time you just have to cop on the chin and just take it for what it is so yeah
0: it's funny it sounds like in inter- and as far as yachting like below deck is probably kind of the dream job because you do have that safety of like it's you know it's super professional and you've yeah. got and the camera guests crew are being and-
1: vetted so, yeah. you know, like, you know, I don't ever have to pass psych like we do, but you know that like also at least if anything was to go wrong, like you've got the cameras there because, you know, a lot yeah. of folks you have security cameras and stuff like that, but that's not used for your safety. That's used for like the owner's safety.
0: So what are some of your favorite like Bravo slash Hey You shows? Do you watch any of the other shows?
1: I haven't watched any on, I don't like, cause oh goodness, I can't really get a lot of it. So I watched, I watched like, you know, Blurdeck, Blurdeck Mad, Blurdeck Sailing on Hey You. They do have Made in Chelsea, which I watched when it first came out and I loved. I haven't watched it for a wee while because I'm like, oh, you know, OG crew has gone. And I loved like, you know, Kaggy and Jamie and Proudlock and all of them. Um... But, yeah, I don't watch, like, too many of Housewives or anything like that. I see Courtney and Kate, like, talking about it all the time, and I'm like, I have no clue what you guys are talking about.
0: I know. I like, sit I, around I tweeting about it all Yeah,
1: though. like, I can't be, like, hashtag relatable, like, oh, I know this person, because I just don't. Um, oh, so, so you like- don't
0: have... You're not like a, you don't have a side on like Team Monique versus Team Candace on no. Potomac. You're not across no. that.
1: I'm like a Team Malia, Team Hammer kind of person. Obviously, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. Team Hammer.
0: <laughs> have you followed any of the OC stuff with Bronwyn coming out as a lesbian? Like, do you have a take on that? I saw
1: that. No, I saw it. I, I think it was a couple of weeks ago she came out. Um, And I was, like, super happy and super excited because I think, obviously, like, for me, when I, you know, coming out at 25, I was like, shit, are people going to think I'm a fraud because I'm 25? Having spoken to one of my cousin's cousins who was 22 and in a five-year relationship when she came out made me feel less like that. Um, But I was super proud of her and super happy for her that she was able to get to that place um, no matter how late in life that was and, like, actually start, like, you know, being true to herself and living her truth and, like, living her best life and getting all the push she wants to get, so. Yeah.
0: yeah. So what are your plans for uh, next year? So do you have, do you have like, a non-yachting career? Like, uh, no. you know, anything you're going to go say?
1: <laughs> no. So this year I was working, obviously, lockdown in Australia. Um, we had to get exemptions to leave the country, which proved very hard to get. Um, So I couldn't leave or, or like partake in yachting. Um So I was working in a hospital. Just to, I wasn't like a hero or anything. I was just caffeinating the heroes. I was barista. Um, so next year, probably at home, I think I'll probably look at doing some work on boats in Sydney around the harbour. But also I kind of really thought the production side of like the whole thing looked interesting. So I think maybe down the line, I wouldn't mind getting into something like that or I do like, you know, being on camera and talking and stuff like that to so maybe pursue that. Like, I don't really know. I think I just want to get, like, through 2020. I, I will always love boats. And I think, like, that's, like, a really kind of good way to, like, casually work and make money and, like, have fun. Um, But I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm hoping that, you know, but this is, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, 25 now. Like, I want to have, like, a between 25 and 30 year plan. So, I don't know. I feel
0: like when I when I watch Below Deck I do sometimes think I'm like in some way some of you on there must be kind of hoping that the show will lead to like more of those like one percent of yacht jobs like working for celebrities and stuff like that because it's a really great platform for everyone to see you and you come off like you come off like a hard worker like you come off really well compared (laughs) to like you and Ashling come off like yeah so
1: proud of Ash yeah I think both of us like Just, you know, both, like, Ash owns her own business. I've been working since I was 14. So I think we've both just grown up, like, having to work and having to make our own money, Um, and we both take pride in what we do. And, I, you know, I love working. I love doing well. But yeah, I've always been like part of the reason I got into yachting is because I never had any real career plan um, and I still don't. So I'm kind of just, you know, hoping to see like what pops up. And I don't like as long as I'm happy what I'm doing at the time, like for me, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I just want to be happy.
0: What Aussie reality shows would you want to do if you had any opportunity? Like, I could imagine you on, like, Survivor or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, I have thought about this because I love travel. Like, a big part of yachting for me is travel. And a big part of why I did Below Deck is because you could take me into the Caribbean and I'd never been there before. Um, So, like, Survivor or, like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. There's, like, those really weird or, like, amazing race. Just like ones you, where you and Ashling
0: can- on Amazing Race would, would be, be great. Would
1: be so cool, yeah. Like where you can go to new places and like do really weird shit and like experience new things, like stuff like that. I mean, you know, the things like Bachelor and whatever else. It's like really drama based. It's not really like my thing, but like the more adventurous things, I would love to do. Maybe even like SAS or I don't know, Bear grills, but.
0: Oh my god, you on SAS, so that would be, everyone's trying to get on SAS, I all the Aussie reality stars that I know, they're like, I want to get on SAS now, because it's just like the biggest hit down here.
1: Yeah, I see, I know, I've only, I haven't even like watching it that much, and I've only seen clips, but um, an ex-boyfriend of mine filmed a show with Aunt Middleton, like- i think five years ago it was called M- mutiny or something mutiny on the bounty and he said the aunt was like so cool and like this real like true like tough guy and i was like i want to learn from someone like that so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i would love that well thank you so much for chatting for me i'm loving you on below deck you thank and rachel you. are my faves and james because he's hot oh, james, um <laughs> <laughs> i'm
1: teaching him to be less of a fuckboy at the moment he's going through like gentleman etiquette training with me so he'll be he great once sweet I'm done on- with him he is actually He seems very nice sweet. on instagram
0: because yeah. he doesn't have like a thotty instagram really Mm-mm. like he doesn't even post that much no
1: he is actually a very very sweet guy like he's a mama's boy he's very sweet like he's not like i think people have said like he's creepy and weird i'm like that's not him at all like he's actually like a genuinely very sweet guy
0: I know. I love yeah. I to marry him. He's such a... So, <laughs> thanks so much. And where can everyone find you on social media?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter, IzzyWouters, and Instagram, IzzyWouters, and Facebook. Don't add me because it's just private. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Cameo. I'm on Cameo if you want, like, Christmas gifts or, like, shout-outs or whatever. I'm on there. I'm cheap. So plug plug
0: plug cameo cameos are the best i got a cameo from one of the potomac housewives ages ago and she had a song i got it i loved it yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) hit her up on cameo thank you That's it for 2020, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can catch Below Deck on Bravo in the States and Hey You in Australia. I will be back the first week of January. Until then, you can follow me at Pod on Twitter and Instagram if you want to support the show. uh, Please go to buymeacoffee.com slash Pod. I can't wait to share all of the exciting stuff I have planned with you all. I'm definitely pumped to keep growing the show and also to take it into some new directions so it's not just Bravo, Bravo, Bravo every week. I mean, of course, I'm going to have a lot of Bravo, but, you know, I want to be able to do a bit more and do some other things and talk to different people and cover some other shows as well. So, please feel free to give me some feedback over the break, like what you would like to see on the show. And I love out-of-the-box weird suggestions, so if there's anything crazy that you think of or anybody kind of, like, random and obscure – that you think that would be good to come on the show and for me to interview i would love to hear from you about that so please hit me up and also if there's things that you don't like about the show feel free to tell me that as well so everything helps me it's good to know what you guys are all responding to what you like what you don't like and then you know we can all grow the show together i will see you all again in 2021 merry christmas and a happy new year to everyone and thank you all so much for your support